0: One second, let me just flip this. There we go. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, the On Meaningful Work podcast. Uh, I'm here with Matthew Boyd. Matthew, thank you for being here. Pleasure. Thanks for me. Just with the mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> So, Matthew is the CEO of Nature Boss, an online marketplace which connects corporate teams with environmental groups that can facilitate meaningful experiences in nature. Nature Boss is on a mission to evolve the way businesses connect with the environment. environment. So, prior to Nature Boss, Matt co-founded Volley, an online marketplace that is unlocking a new style of skill-based remote volunteering. In five years of operation, Volley has seen 5,000 plus social impact projects completed to date through uh, 300,000 plus skilled volunteering hours, generating over 5.7 million of savings to the current 1,200 plus non-profits using the service. Prior to Volley, Matt has 10 years experience in a marketing operations and business development uh, and have and has been responsible for running projects that have contributed to close to ten million of not for profit for not for profit organizations a lot of numbers in there <laughs> yes that's quite a bio <laughs> right um yeah so so when when I read that or when you hear someone talk about you know what you've done in the past what um what kind of feelings does that does that <laughs> evoke for you
1: um a lot of hard work yeah yeah um but you know just just Trying to sort of follow my head and my heart Mm -hmm. and um, not really being afraid to try to do something a bit different Mm -hmm. in the space, uh, which always comes with its challenges. And you sort of, you know, you go against the sort of the status quo, what's been done previously, but Mm -hmm. I've loved it ever since, ever since I, you know, left the, the sort of comfortable, full-time gig yeah in christmas 2015 wow, i got okay. started um yeah it's just been great and mm. and for me i opened myself up to this world i didn't even know existed mm. of entrepreneurs and uh compassionate people working within the not-for-profit space you know just more like-minded individuals for, for me personally so mm. Yeah, it's been good fun. It's been like, what is it now? Like a little over six years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah,
0: certainly no regrets. Yeah, I mean, six years is not a lot of time in in the grand scheme of things, and you you've done so much in that time. Yeah. But but also what you mentioned is, you know, this balance between your head and your heart, and mm-hmm. you know how you approach things. Um. What what leads do you think, when when you're thinking of a project? uh what leads
1: it's kind of Mm. shifted for me uh i've i've been way too head Mm. over heart uh Mm. way too um thinking what is the best avenue forward rather than feeling Mm. thinking tends to come very quickly for me um you know it'll just sort of shoot to the to the front of mind of okay well this is the right way forward and for Mm. me i've i've learned feeling can come a lot slower and mm. you just might need to to sit with it you know i think this is one of the reasons like so many people meditate these days mm-hmm. to really just stop and think what how do i really feel about this decision or mm. where i'm currently at in my life or whatever it might be so i've i've been just traditionally go 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 mm-hmm. Uh, and I've made a lot more mistakes mm-hmm. as, as a result. Uh, mm. But these days, I, I definitely try to slow down. The, the mm-hmm. quick stuff through your work, you know, you can just sort of... Yeah, you can get to. But when it comes to bigger decisions, you know, mm-hmm. sort of new routes to take with your career, mm-hmm. I think feeling is the best way to go. I've read a lot of books through lockdown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of personal struggles I think a lot of people had. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've done a lot of work on myself personally, and I think that's fed through professionally. Yep. And I've had it on good authorities through some of the best Thought leaders and authors out there in the, just mm. the space of personal well-being as well as success in every mm. possible form. Given the choice of what you think about a situation over what you feel, mm-hmm. lean into feel.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, I I think yeah, I love that, and I resonate with that. Um, so, just in terms of getting to that feeling, are there practices that you adopted specifically for that, and how do you how do you kind of squeeze them into your day? You know? yeah. Um, I don't know about specific
1: practices. I was mm. meditating, but I don't so much right now. I mm. may do more so in the future. I just try. I think it's just about slowing down for me. And mm. whether whether I'm working or whether I'm walking my dog, so I just trying to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my biggest problems is overthinking. Mm-hmm. So uh, sort of being present with my thoughts uh, is, is good because I can sort of get on top of, where I'm at but Mm. sometimes I just need to like be able to actually switch off as well so Mm. for me I've got a really good balance now between Mm. work and just life fitness like Mm. exercise is really really important for me like playing sport with friends Mm -hmm. um yeah just that balance I just know myself really well now yeah um and I know that point where my productivity has dropped enough even Mm. if it's kind of surprised me it might be you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm Mm. thinking, oh, I'm going to keep pushing through to four o'clock before I go for a run Mm. or whatever. But I'm noticing it's like, well, I'm not feeling right at this point. So Mm. I'm actually going to go for that run now or whatever it might be. And then come back because I've made the mistake so many times of just pushing through because I said I was going to work till four before I took a break. Mm -hmm. But just, just not doing that anymore because it just... it it can just throw things out of whack. Yeah. yeah. Your stress levels crank up too much, you know, so I'm just aware of that through, again, a lot of trial and error, but reading a lot of books Mm. and just knowing myself, like I I did so many things the hard way in Mm. 2016 with the the first year of sort of building volley. (laughs) So, yeah, I think, I think that's it now. Just knowing myself without even really realizing what I'm doing through the day, but just, making better decisions for myself Mm because from that i think work improves
0: cool okay so we're going to bookmark this and come back to it but i'd like to start with your origin story yeah so where are you from where were you born
1: i was born in Mm -hmm. chalfont st peter okay it's Mm -hmm. a village in england um it's in a county called buckinghamshire Buckinghamshire runs from the south up to almost the Midlands mm-hmm. around Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I've met maybe twelve people in as many years here in Australia, in Melbourne, that mm-hmm. have known uh, Chalfont and Peter, which <laughs> wow. has blown my mind. Yeah. <laughs> over, you know, I was doing like um, bar work when I first got to Melbourne, mm. and uh, actually for a little bit when I first like quit my job and I was getting volley off the ground, self funding it. Mm. and the conversations I'd have with people across the bar where they're like, oh, where are you from? And I'd say, oh, London. Mm. And people would be like, where specifically? And they'd dig deeper and deeper. And it's just amazing because it's this beautiful, just typical English village. <laughs> um, I go back now and I just, mm. you know, you don't appreciate it as much when you're growing up, you know, because it's just the norm. But mm. I go back now and it's just, yeah, it's it's very pretty. And there's there's a lot of those sort of picturesque, villages around that way it's only 45 minutes into central london you know by train it's west of london west of london's generally just very nice Yep. so yeah that's where i
0: grew up all right so not to go with you know first impressions but it sounds pretty idyllic and it sounds like a pretty sweet place to grow up yeah, it was. Yeah. I, and I had a good childhood,
1: yeah. you know. It was rural. Mm. It was me and my friends riding bikes, having, you know, those six-week summer holidays, um, which seemed to, like, just go <laughs> on forever, yeah. you know, just uh, just mm. having fun and just playing, playing sport and sleepovers and that kind of stuff. So, it was, yeah, yeah. it was a very nice area and it was safe. Mm-hmm. um great community mm-hmm. uh, everyone knows everyone yeah <laughs> and that's that's followed through today and mm-hmm. i i will i will when i'm walking my dogs or wherever i am i mm-hmm. will look to uh say good morning or good afternoon or good evening to people look to make eye contact mm-hmm. um Uh, sometimes you get funny looks, sometimes you get people say hello, but growing up in that village gave me this whole like, any stranger could be a friend. So, um, yeah, I've carried through like the the Chalfont St. Peter in me. And I
0: still got that small town sort of... I I think more than that, was the community in the village close like did they get together to help each other out in terms of strife? Yeah, yeah yeah
1: and we'd have like you know big fairs or fates on the mm. um on gold hill common Yep. Uh, you know, there was Chalfont St. Peter First School, which I went mm. to, Chalfont St. Peter Middle School, which I went to, yeah. Chalfont Community College, the high school, mm. uh, which I went to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you just grew up mm. with people and I've got mm. a tiny family, mm-hmm. um, but I've got, there are certain families that, you know, were just very close. So it was my family and it was the Carters and the Churches and the mm. O'Tools and a few others. And so it, the kids grew up together, so i go back and i've got you know unofficial not technically biological but people i consider brothers and sisters
0: yeah that's amazing um what, what, what were you like in school? Did you enjoy school? Did yeah, you know? I did. Mm. I
1: was sort of middle of the road. Um, yeah. I, I struggled with dyslexia, mm-hmm. um, which was, I think, diagnosed or picked up, whatever you'd refer it to, mm. by a teacher maybe when I was in middle school. Okay. So I went to yeah. middle school when I was eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in the initial years there, all of a sudden I noticed myself on a table with three or four other kids Mm -hmm. one of them was actually my best friend Nick Mm -hmm. Uh, we both struggled with it Um, so that was that was you know an uphill struggle Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah sort of good group of friends Mm -hmm. not the coolest kids not the geekiest kids just kind Mm -hmm. of like in the middle friends with a lot of people Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a great group of friends growing up but yeah academically I needed to work I felt twice as hard as everyone else to get Mm. similar sort of results Mm -hmm. so that was yeah it was hard but i worked really hard through middle school and Mm. by the time i got to high school i was actually in the top set of maths uh that's kind of how they did it in my Mm. high school you had set one two three and maybe four going from you know the the smartest kids and the most challenging Mm -hmm. sort of curriculum Mm -hmm. um down and so I was in the top set of maths, and the um, the second set, I think, of English, and all the other stuff was pretty standard. So, mm. but yeah, I've always had to work very hard yeah. to get what I felt was like where the majority of other people are. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, and given that given that situation, were there subjects in school that you gravitated to that you feel that you didn't? have to work as hard as
1: that I didn't have to work as hard.
0: Yeah. Or um well or, or, that, or that you just enjoyed more than others, Always
1: loved PE. Yeah. Always yeah. love sport. I've always loved mm. sport watching and and playing. Um in high school I loved geography. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense now with my yeah. love for nature yeah. and <laughs> starting more and more businesses and mm. running more and more projects in nature so that mm-hmm. always intrigued me like volcanoes and how lakes evolve and mm. uh, yeah all of that sort of stuff was really really interesting mm. um i did not do so well with languages mm-hmm. i've always struggled like did french for so many years and can still you know can't even string a sentence together <laughs> uh english i liked i like you know the sort of ability to be creative and um creative writing and and that sort of stuff mm. um I'm trying to think what else so maths was okay, mm. you know. um Yeah, that'd be mm. that'd be the main sort of ones. Yeah. Oh. Uh,
0: how about outside of school? Was did there anything? Were you passionate about anything? Did anything you know blow your mind that you thought this is freaking awesome? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I. Nothing mm. that really comes to mind. Like, mm. And I, I'm someone that really struggled to find my path like, mm. in life. You mm. know, there are those people who know what they want to be professionally yep.
0: from yep. a pretty early age. Mm.
1: And I did not have that. Yeah, uh, I only think now I'm really finding the space that I want to be in through mm. like figuring it out myself and starting my own projects. Mm-hmm. But I was just sort of cruising along. Didn't really know what to do with my career. So thought I should be in business, studied marketing because I thought, well, that's, you can be creative in marketing. And Mm -hmm. I I consider myself a a creative person. I'm a dreamer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I was always very imaginative and um, off in my own world. Mm. Uh, Uh,
0: And I suppose, like, for me, with me, for example, and this is a little bit embarrassing, but when I was a kid, I was like this huge Elvis fan.
1: Okay, Elvis is coming back massively. Apparently, oh, yeah. That new movie. film, yeah. I haven't seen it,
0: but it's supposed to be. It's awesome as a very fan, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As a fan, I highly recommend it. Cool. <laughs> uh, but, but I suppose you know you're thinking back on that you know crazy passion of mine. It was um, in in a sense you know although I was an introvert, I started. Majority of what I do now is events and workshops. Mm. And when I do that, I somehow channel Elvis, you know, because that's, because it couldn't be me doing that. You You're know? an entertainer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in your own right. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in a weird, you know, asymmetrical way. Yeah. Um, so about for you, was there anything like outside of school, outside of that? I was naturally um,
1: introverted. Hmm. Even though my friends and I, you know, we were out all the time, but um, I've always pushed myself with that because I just, Mm. I don't know, I've had this, you know, live life to its fullest um, uh, mentality, which has sometimes been a burden, you know, and and created an unrealistic expectation. Mm. But, um, yeah, in terms of that nothing nothing really Mm. um nothing really came to mind i was just a sort of you know average kid great group of friends Mm. we love to do stuff together as i said like sport out being outdoors was was always really important to me Mm um but no no Mm. not really um no (laughs) that's (laughs) um <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> what was there what? trying to put myself in the mindset of me when i was you know however old yeah. like you know 10 eight. year old man yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god yeah I've, I've done that with my psychologist at times <laughs> addressing past uh yeah. good bad and ugly kind mm-hmm. of stuff from life but yeah it's it's interesting it's mm. interesting to put yourself in in that space and you know
0: yeah uh. mm. Uh, and so coming to uni, then you you said you you picked marketing. Yeah, what what drove that decision? Was, oh, I just
1: had I I, I wasn't given yeah. enough guidance. Yeah, yeah, you know, high yeah. school, my high school was it was a bit rough when I mm. went there. Um there was before like so last year of middle school they did this thing where first years of high school wrote letters to last years of middle school okay to give them a bit of uh, a feeling of what to expect mm. and so the child i shouldn't be naming it it's terrible but <laughs> i think it's, it's improved a lot um, yeah, yeah. and i i did have overall like a really great experience there but mm. because in england you had um so you've got the what was at uh, for me it was the 12 plus and then I think it became the 11 plus where you basically took this test and if you passed you could go into the better schools, the grammar schools and so on. Not necessarily like private schools you need to pay for, but it just meant because academically and, you know, from a IQ intelligence perspective, you were able to mm. go to those ones. And I didn't even try with that test, mm. which was terrible. I don't think I would have passed it anyway, mm-hmm. but I didn't try because like all my friends were going to the Chow Fonts, the, mm. the high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being at my nan and granddad's and like having the test and not even trying because I'm like, all oh, my friends are going there. So, you know. Not the smartest decision but yeah. went to this school and um, it was a pretty good education but when it came to like when you were approaching, you know, like so you can finish school at 16 in England mm-hmm. or you can stay on and do what they call sixth form between mm-hmm. 16 and 18 and I did that and the career counsellor there was just just completely uninterested mm-hmm. and I had one mm-hmm. session with her... Um, just not helpful at all didn't didn't like try to guide me and so i just thought well i'll do business Mm -hmm. in some way that's where you make money which in hindsight is just stupid and something (laughs) i will never pass on to my daughter Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. i don't care if it's tap dancing or painting or economics whatever whatever you're passionate about Mm -hmm. pursue it Mm -hmm. and you will you will make money from it because mm. if it truly is your passion you'll yeah. you'll be yep. great at it and anyway mm. so i just did marketing mm-hmm. so um yeah went to uni and did that for for 3 years mm. yeah
0: and how was the experience of doing that how was uni uh, uh
1: well uni was tough mm. for me um so because um my family broke down when i was 16 mm-hmm. so you know still a lot, a lot of stuff there but mm-hmm. that was I think we all have trauma, yep. and my big, big trauma, which even to this day, you know, I've sort of worked through a lot of stuff, but yeah, very traumatic experience. Um, mm-hmm. Without giving the gruesome details, sort of like just you know, breakdown with with my mum and dad, and mm-hmm. there was a separation there, a lot of mm-hmm. lot of ugliness, mm-hmm. and so I just cracked on between sixteen and eighteen. That mm-hmm. was the point where me and my friends were like going to pubs and. Mm-hmm. You know, just um, drinking, but, you know, nothing unhealthy. Drinking as some sort of, you know, late teens do Mm -hmm. as they're sort of, you know, just finding themselves. And then um, around 18, I just, I kind of stopped and uh, coinciding with uni, I basically introvert to almost hermit. Mm -hmm. I just, I was in a lot. I Mm -hmm. think, uh, you know, the the impact of everything that happened with my parents was... um, was was hitting me i became incredibly insecure and and mm-hmm. just uh you know my self-worth was just rock bottom mm-hmm. and so uni i just focused on studying mm-hmm. as a result i smashed it wow, and okay. and yeah. did incredibly well in uni mm-hmm. um uh, almost got a first i was just like a percentage maybe two off of a first in england mm-hmm. so the you know the the system in england of how you get graded? No, no. You got a first, which is seventy percent and over. Mm-hmm. Um, sixty to seventy percent is a two-one. Uh, fifty mm. to sixty percent is a two-two. Um, and you get a third. I think it's forty between between forty and fifty percent. Mm. And so I almost got a first. And in hindsight, nobody actually cares. Nobody mm. really cared in England, and people definitely don't care in Australia. <laughs> yeah. But uni for me was just. Mm. Um, it was a. It was a. It was a tough time but i i just yeah i just focused on my studies Mm -hmm. so i didn't really get the uni experience Mm. um i started to come out of my shell again after university Mm. um yeah when i was from around 22 uh because i did uni at 18 and then i needed to defer for a year just because it was pretty tough and then 19 to 22 were the three years and then after uni that's when i really sort of found myself again and Mm -hmm. Got better from there and yeah. traveled and made new friends and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah uni uni wasn't that typical experience for me as okay. a result.
0: Um, and and then after uni, what was your? How did you go about thinking about a career? Was it just you just kind of went applying for jobs or or did well?
1: I uh, I finished uni mm. and I went traveling. Mm-hmm. I said I said to myself, I'm not going to do that before or during uni because I just seen too many people. Before, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'll will travel and then I'll go to uni. And so many of them just didn't go to uni. Yeah, and then people mm-hmm. who deferred for a year didn't come back to uni. So I'm like, I'm gonna get my honors degree, mm-hmm. and then I travelled. So I finished uni. I worked in pubs for a number of months, saved mm-hmm. up the the money mm-hmm. I needed. Uh, And then my friend and I went traveling uh, for nine months around Mm. Southeast Asia. We went to Japan, we went to India, uh, Mm. all around the Southeast Asian countries, Mm. Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, and then finished up in New York. And the plan was to go back and get a job in London Mm. and finally start my career. Mm. Uh, And I got back to London and it just wasn't for me. Mm. There's just too many people, uh, too much of a rat race. Mm -hmm. So wherever it came from in me i thought i'm going to give australia a crack and and go to melbourne and mm-hmm. uh and start my career here
0: wow so what what was it about melbourne that
1: i'm not sure <laughs> um <laughs> the Austra- weather yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah which you know compared to england is absolutely fantastic yeah. but you know melbourne gets a lot of stick from from other parts of the country for being cold but this is yeah. nothing compared to england mm. Aust- but melbourne for me I, I don't know i came here when i was 12 hmm. with my family yep. uh yeah around about that age and and mm-hmm. was just blown away by this country mm-hmm. and then i when i was traveling i came back for that second time and australia just really resonated with me mm-hmm. uh, melbourne i it was on a sort of gut instinct and it proved to be right you know it just it's mm-hmm. so well suited to where i grew up in england it's a lot more european you know there's yeah, there's huge yeah. like greek italian populations mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of english here as well and mm. it's got that sort of big town n- less so than the sort of city yeah, you know yeah. feel to it which i think sort of is it, it's mm. it's true to today to this day and so yeah i got here and within two weeks mm. i arrived in february so middle of summer and i just uh, i fell in love with it within two weeks i'm like this is where i'm gonna live this wow. is where i want to stay
0: uh, so w- when you were 12 like what what blew your mind about melbourne australia
1: huh? oh as a kid like australia yeah. it's so big like mm. the 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 Variety of sort of um, climate and uh, mm. you know deserts and and uh, beautiful beaches. The weather mm. was incredible because mm. we came around like December, like you know Christmas time. Mm. It's just a very special country, and I think I picked up on this like sort of freeness. Like I just went back to to Europe and I went back to England and you know spent mm. a lot of time in London and I've come back and I've re realized, re realized, just there's just less pressure here easygoing Mm. people are just you know generally just really friendly open you know Mm. there's just this this weight that i think a lot of people who live in london and and work around london Mm. carry because Mm. it's it's a strain like it's expensive there you know it's dangerous in a lot of different parts it's a beautiful city but i just Mm. like going as a tourist these (laughs) days i just felt that just Mm. spending a week or so like just in and out of london mostly like in london i was just like mm. and then i came back here and i was just like oh it just it just feels easier so mm. i think i picked up on that as a kid and you know carried it through to to mm. now
0: yeah isn't that funny so I, i'm originally from mumbai like that's where i was born and brought up right busy uh, city yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, and it's i've been in melbourne you know 22 years now right and like you Just like you said, every time I go back to Mumbai, it's like I'm a tourist in my, yeah, in my home city. Yeah, Yeah, it's like Melbourne is. I I think it took a while, but I've reached the point where Melbourne is now feeling like home. Me too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Me too. Um, How old are you? Uh, 42 42 i'm mm. 38 mm. i think for a long time i just felt like you know london was always there mm. and you know when i'd watched the olympics i was conflicted because i'm like you know obviously all the coverage is the aussies <laughs> yeah. and you know everyone's going for the green and gold but mm. you know my um my ties are obviously you know i want to see great britain do really well which they've actually done pretty mm. well the most re- recent olympics but it's only more recently that i truly feel mm that you know i've just um i could i suppose i can be both mm. but i've I, i've just truly got this appreciation now have had for a long time but that just how much this country has given to me yeah yeah and so mm. i just yeah just and and there's this friendly competition between you know england and australia or great britain and australia anyway so it's mm. almost like you have to pick a side yeah. whether it's the Olympics or the cricket or the rugby or whatever mm. so yeah I've just truly like relaxed into that I think it's just come with age mm. you know
0: also I don't know if you know Paul Graham he's the founder of you know Y Combinator which is I know Y Combinator yeah, yeah. I wasn't
1: sure who the founder was but
0: But he's also kind of like this you know Silicon Valley oracle like he writes these essays which are deeply philosophical and you know uh, but he wrote this one about cities and what a city whispers to you mm. like he says if you go to new york the city whispers you know make money like mm. that's where you need to be to be in new york yeah like los angeles the city whispers be famous mm-hmm. that's what you know you need to be in los angeles yeah and i was thinking about that with regard to melbourne like what what is melbourne whispering uh. to me and the answer i came up with is you know to be yourself yeah i love that yeah, yeah
1: I think I think yeah. that's right. I mm. think like, uh, and I think it's true generally across Australia. Mm. I think that authenticity. I was yep. listening to um, a podcast just uh, this morning, and they were talking about um, tall poppy syndrome mm-hmm. in Australia, uh, also the case in England. They mm. were they were looking at the UK and the cynicism in the mm. UK, mm. which makes for great comedy. Yeah, you know that that. <laughs> Painfully, awkwardly dry. The, the David Brent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, oh, Ricky Gervais. And I just yeah. watched his most recent special and it's just yep. outrageous. Yeah, and he just does yep. not pull any punches. Mm. And he's he's been a massive innovator in that space. Um, but, you know, the, back to the, the Monty Pythons and mm-hmm, so on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, British comedy's been there for a long, long time. And one of the guys on this podcast was talking about how due to the fact it rains so much there, it's cold so often there, just mm. grey... Your, your climate and your environment, you know, can really attribute to that. Mm. And so, yeah, they're talking about tall poppy syndrome here. And I think, so they were also talking about the States mm. and you can be anything and mm. anyone there. Mm. And there's a lot more enthusiasm and optimism that will sort of surround you when you've got a business idea or you've, you've, you're starting to make it as an actor or whatever mm. it is, mm. which I think is great and admirable. Mm. But I think like, tall poppy syndrome that's here and it it keeps us humble Mm -hmm. and i think with that comes that or or maintains Mm -hmm. that authenticity as well
0: yeah 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 i didn't think about that that way i I think also say with the us you know it's yeah you can it it only serves you i think if you've reached a certain level Mm. if you're below that level you're stuffed because there is no social safety net there. Like your health insurance is tied to the job that you have. You know, dental and all yeah. that stuff, yeah,
1: yeah. And I think America's a country of winners and losers. Mm. They're big on that. Yeah. You know, a lot mm. of the sports you can't draw. Yeah. It's like <laughs> overtime. You know, like if it's a draw at the end of uh, an NBA match, mm. we go, they go to overtime. You know, yeah. so I think it it's great, and there's a lot of winners that that mm. come out of that country. But I think it also, yeah, there's there's this unhealthy pressure yep. on people, and yeah, the 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 fat that they still can't get that you know that that basic healthcare system mm. like you know in place for people it just means that too many people slip through the cracks mm. and um that is just not healthy that's not good for a, a nation like that
0: yeah and, and i think i don't know if you've been to san francisco but that's like no. the example of what it's like to be in the states because the extremes these, the extremes yeah. is just so stark yeah uh but Coming back to you, so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, trying to solve world problems. (laughs) That's another podcast. Um so you came to Melbourne and you settled in Melbourne, yeah, and then you got your first proper job. Yeah, well,
1: took me a while to get a first proper job. I I came on a one year working holiday visa, Mm -hmm. um and I interviewed for months, so I got here Valentine's Day two thousand eight for some reason. Don't Mm -hmm. know why. And I was interviewing for... It was about three months. And at three months, I was staying with a friend in, mm. um, in South Yarra. He put me up. He was working on a, a film. It's in special effects. So, he was working on the Pacific at the time. Wow. Which is pretty cool, yeah. 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 He was, like, showing me these, like... Um, what they call them, like, the, the daily... Um, Maybe they call them the dailies but basically the reels of just like what was shot that day and what he's blown up and mm-hmm. anyway uh <laughs> stay with him he was getting paid very well yeah. so i was in a nice place but i did start to run out of money yep. after three months mm. and i thought right as much as i don't want to do this i need to fall back on something i'd done previously mm. working in pubs in england so mm-hmm. yeah just looked for some bar work and um, I think it was after my latest unsuccessful interview which they would go well but then when a lot of them not all Mm -hmm. of them but a lot of them would go well and at the point where they would say um, great okay this is looking really positive so what's your visa situation Mm -hmm. and my heart would sink because I'm on a one year working holiday visa, they mm. need to sponsor me, so all of a sudden mm. they're thinking like, Oh, we've got to spend another six to ten grand on yeah, this person. That's a tough situation. Yeah. yeah, and I just I it just failed mm. every single time. And mm. so I thought well, I I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I ne- I need money. So mm. I decided to walk from um the convention centre of South Bank up to the arts centre, a lot mm. of bars around there, and I thought that's a great space to work, great view mm. of the city and that uh and so i walked from one end to the other mm. in my suit i'd like come from my latest failed interview it was a very mm. expensive suit i spent mm. far more money at, than i should have <laughs> i got swindled at Maya. i think yeah. they realized i was i was pretty new like mm. yeah anyway uh and so i was going into these bars dressed in like a really nice like designer suit mm. uh, and he went into three or four that just really captured me mm. and one that was formerly called world bar it's now called hopscotch down on South mm. Bank. I walked in and um one of the women there like first of all looked me up and down you know because i did have resumes on me mm. oh actually no i didn't and she looked me up and down when i said oh i'm i'm after a job here mm. it's very sort of businessy around south bank so she's mm. like what is going on with yeah. this suited <laughs> business looking guy yeah. And and she's like okay and she got the manager and the manager mm. said like have you got a cv and i said no i don't kind of deflated in my voice but like still like you know mm. wanted to fight for this because i was mm. just like back was against the wall and uh i just said i've got a lot of experience just give me a shot give me a mm. trial i'll you know i'll prove you mm. know that i'm i'm good at this got a call that night uh started the next day or so wow okay. yeah. yeah and just started working behind this bar mm. um very quickly got promoted to supervisor and before i knew i was running the bar mm-hmm. part of a about six person management team this was like a three four hundred capacity venue mm-hmm. big big venue mm. at one point it was the second highest generating uh hospitality venue in melbourne mm. after transport in fed square mm-hmm. and yeah i just worked there and it was a lot of fun mm. first year was incredible uh second year i was a little bit over it and third year i was just like oh my god i need mm. i need something yeah. you know, <laughs> a little bit different but mm. that's what i did for the first few years before i sort of you know took that that so, next step and got out of
0: it what do you think like even in the bar why do you think you progress so quickly
1: i got a good work ethic yeah yeah i get mm. it from my dad's um both my parents but particularly my dad like my dad's mm. very hard working i get my mm. energy my hunger for life um mm. yeah from my dad like he was very very hard working mm. so i see a job as a job yeah. my first job was being a paper boy. Yeah, I delivered those newspapers to the best of my ability so mm-hmm. I've, I've never slacked off in a mm-hmm. job and so i got in there took it incredibly seriously mm-hmm. a lot of people there's great people who work in hospitality but we all mm-hmm. come across those people in a cafe or a bar where you just know we're just thinking to ourselves you don't want to be here yeah. you know yeah. and i was just like <laughs> that's in any job really you know, yeah, yeah true yeah. true yeah. yeah but i just i worked very hard and mm-hmm. yeah just sort of progressed yeah Quite quickly.
0: Actually, just quickly on on the work ethic, uh, do you think you got it from observing your dad, or was it more? Do you think it's genetic somehow? Or it's
1: uh, not sure. I think mm. I think well, genetics. I think definitely play a part. You know, good mm, yeah. and bad. You can <laughs> yeah. you can take stuff from your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I witnessed it. My dad was um, he was he was a role model of mine, like mm. a, a big role model of mine um and he also like he kind of put it on us as well you know if we were if we were going for a walk we were gonna like power through that hike or whatever and in mm-hmm. terms of school like he was he was on it and um yeah just that that sort of i think healthy amount but like that pressure to come mm-hmm. on like let's go yeah so what did he bit of all three i'd say sure yeah. what did he do for, for living he was a policeman yeah. uh, my pe- both my parents were police officers and mm-hmm. that's how they met And then he got headhunted by a big bank uh, as a fraud investigator. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. and kept progressing and uh, yeah, ended up making a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. We we had a lovely first home that I can remember, Mm -hmm. Lilac Cottage. And then we moved into this beautiful home like Mm. big big home um so and that sort of added to just how lovely my childhood was but yeah Mm. he was very successful Mm
0: -hmm. um yeah yeah um and so so after three years at the bar Mm. what what was you thinking then like how did you well, I needed to
1: get sponsored. Yeah. So, uh, they did sponsor me. Uh, yeah. If I wasn't going to get sponsored, I, I didn't want to do the farm work, first mm. of all. Yeah. And <laughs> but I, mm. if I had to, I would have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did get sponsored um, early enough before that. But I was up against it because the last bar manager mm-hmm. they had sponsored, who was also English, mm-hmm. bailed. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, they were just burnt mm-hmm. out they, they they'd been burnt from it and they didn't want to do it again yep. and so they had like it all set up and they there are however many spots that a company can sponsor you mm. know of their staff like i don't know if it's per year or whatever but they had it all set up but they just mm. said no we're not doing this again yeah so i had to like really prove my worth there mm-hmm And I remember the night when I sat down with one of the owners because I'd said it to him and he, you know, I'd really pitched myself to him. Mm. And initially I got like a no, but then I saw sort of a bit of an opening. So I continued to push Mm. and he said, we'll sit down and have a beer one night. Mm. And weeks and weeks and weeks went by Mm. and then one like cold winter I think it was a Monday or Tuesday evening because mm. it was quiet and I was just behind the bar just, you know, doing my thing. Mm. And then the guy comes over and he's like, right, let's have this conversation. And he caught me completely off guard because for the first few weeks, I was like, I'm re- every time I saw him, I'm like, he's going to say something. And mm. he didn't. And mm. then he, and I was tired. And I was just, I remember <laughs> just thinking to myself, like, I won't swear. I was just about to swear, but I was just like, <laughs> I can, <swear>. can I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I was just like, shit, this is mm. it. Like, mm. this is the moment. Like, this mm. is, this is like, you know, to, this could be the difference mm. because I had it in my head. It probably wouldn't have been this dramatic, but I had said to myself 20 times, my life will never be as good if I go back to England as mm-hmm. it could be here in Australia. I just mm-hmm. thought there's so much opportunity here and mm-hmm. I just was so sure of that. And then everyone's different, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, I think that would have rung true that going back to England, it wasn't quite where I wanted to live. Mm-hmm so yeah i just remember that walk like around the bar to go and sit down with him and i just somehow pulled it off we had a beer as well which didn't help because that Mm. just kind of threw me off my game a little bit and i just (laughs) i I wasn't so on the on the ball Mm. and whatever i said i I think i was just saying like you know i will not let you down you know i will be the hardest working person here Mm. went on and on and um his words were like okay well you know um, if you're putting your hand up i'll never forget him saying that mm. and i physically put my hand up mm. and said i am and he's like all right let's go for it then we'll mm. we'll progress you know the mm. the application and that and i just came away and i was just i was just buzzing and wow yeah and yeah. so from there i was kind of tied to them for for a few years yeah um quite rightly. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I sort of said, the first year was just amazing because I'm like, I'm sponsored. Mm. I'm having so much fun. Mm. Um was just the best yep. second year was so so and the third year i just I'd, I'd sort of hit the ceiling of mm. what i could learn there mm. and the hours were always really intense and you lost all your, your you know major holidays work christmas day and everything so mm-hmm. yeah towards the end i was like fully fully over it but i just had to keep going yep. until mm. yeah i could get sponsored so uh, mm. sorry until i could hit the point where i could apply for pr
0: mm. um and then while, while you're working at the bar um was like outside of what you were doing i think would you would you look back on that now and think like that really helped me in what i'm doing um
1: Mm. yeah i think so i think like working in the bar would have added yeah um mm -hmm. a fair bit to to what i was doing um I'm not really sure what. I mean, I just continued to work hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. It gave me time to like figure out what it was that I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I made great friends from it, like socially, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing was really, Mm -hmm. really positive. So I'm not sure in terms of career. I just think career, there would have been some things that came out of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, more so it was about staying in this country and being able to, you know start to set myself up i never knew i wasn't sure what i was going to be doing with my career mm-hmm. um i thought i'd just naturally fall into marketing which i did for a number of years but mm-hmm. yeah whereas people sort of roadmap you know and plan out okay well this is how it's going to go i sort of stumbled my way through mm-hmm. and it was a bit of trial and error so, so what
0: what what was the the stumble after the? <laughs> uh
1: so i left the that the bar mm. there was this new energy drink company that was launching so mm. they were FMCG fast-moving consumer good company which is you know chocolate mm. bars energy drinks mm. anything you buy in a um, servo and uh, there was an opening for the state marketing sales and marketing manager mm. for, for this company new called uh, the company was called Colliderous 28. The product was 28 black. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing product. It was an energy drink natural made with acai berries. Mm-hmm. So like a superfood, like, you know, really popular in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Tasted amazing. Mm. Mixed really well with alcohol or just on its own. Mm. Um, so good. Put myself forward for that Mm. uh went through a bunch of interviews and ultimately was successful and was like great i can uh i can quit my job Mm. you know in the bar and and you know move into what i thought as a you know proper job Mm. which i don't think is fair on the hospitality industry because Mm. as long as you're passionate no matter what you're passionate about you know do it but i wasn't passionate about that anymore so moved into for me what felt more like a proper Mm. job
0: W- around what year was this
1: uh two so i arrived in 2008 uh it was 2011 i yeah. think mm-hmm. yeah what do have mean
0: yeah around mm-hmm. then yeah 2010 2011. so maybe fast forwarding a little bit so let, so where were you in around 2014
1: 2014 mm-hmm. i had so i did the energy drink job mm-hmm. uh, for a bit, and then i worked in an ad agency for a short time mm-hmm. one of the biggies always like grew up like reading the advertising books and seeing yeah. the campaigns and thinking mm-hmm. this is where i want to be maybe i was in the wrong agency i don't know mm-hmm. but the whole like Work incredibly hard, play somewhat hard. Mm. You know, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. I didn't mm. enjoy my experience there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So left that, and then I worked for this uh, education to employment company. Mm-hmm. So I was there. So I was with them up until the end of 2015, and that's when I started mm. my own things. But yeah.
0: yeah, and I think yeah, that's what I really want to get to is how did how did the idea of wally first start to
1: bobble it yeah Yeah. so that that came about because um the company i was working in i it was a lot of fun Mm. uh i was ultimately running the sports sponsorships for the company so Mm. like we sponsored a major afl team we sponsored uh one of the big bash teams Mm -hmm. melbourne stars um sponsored run melbourne all this cool stuff Mm. um And I just still wasn't happy and fulfilled. Mm. And Mm. I thought, "Mm, if my 18 year old self, or younger even, would have Mm. seen me like all access past the MCG, running Mm. onto the field at pre-game or halftime or whatever, you know, to run these activations. I thought something was wrong with me because I love sport. Mm. And I thought, why am I not fulfilled with this? Mm. The other part of that job was um, running charity partnerships. Mm -hmm. So they had a partnership with one charity when I went in and by the, halfway through my time there we had like a dozen Mm -hmm. and i just found myself wanting to work more and more with charities Mm -hmm. because i'd work when i'd worked in at the ad agency Mm -hmm. we had a big one of the big car manufacturers as a client Mm -hmm. and you know their objectives of like wanting to just sell more cars ultimately Mm -hmm. i didn't care i'm like Mm -hmm. you're already such a wealthy company you already sell so many cars so I don't care about helping you sell more cars Yeah, yep. and to be honest it was kind of the same with the energy drink because I thought and they had an iced tea and an iced coffee as well but I'm just like who cares yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. okay yeah. so I help this brand sell mm. more it's like people will be a little bit more perked up and mm. didn't care mm. I did care about the sports sponsorships I enjoyed it but when I started working with charities and I understood their KPIs are mm. people's lives mm. or helping animals or protecting the environment, I was just like, this is the real stuff. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I started to volunteer myself and I realized how much of a an impact that had on me. Mm-hmm. And that just turned my world upside down. Mm. And when I started like with these two dogs who might be popping in and out mm. of the, the video here, <laughs> Charlie and Grace um going to the Mm. royal children's hospital with these two fluffy cavoodle Mm. teddy bears and seeing kids and visiting kids in wards uh, Mm. and seeing their days being brightened up but then also just you know just just realizing just some of these kids were never going to leave the hospital and they barely had a life and it just it just shook my world and i was Mm. just it's just like okay i didn't care previously and now i know i just can't do it anymore Mm. Um, you know, and the 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 job was good. It was comfortable. Mm. Like the energy drink job was great because I got like company car, fuel card, all that sort Mm. of stuff. But I don't care Mm -hmm. about those perks. Mm -hmm. I I realized through that that I just I wanted to do stuff with my career that that made a positive difference, and so. I then through the volunteering experience while still in my last company that I mm. worked for I um I realised it could be a real pain in the ass to volunteer mm. you know when applying and just just the you know I'm putting my hand up to give my time free mm. of charge and you know share my skills if possible and I came up against all these brick walls and so that lived experience mm-hmm. made me think okay maybe there could be something here because most of the people I was working with really talented lawyers and mm-hmm. marketing professionals and HR and accountants and so on and so on sales guys mm. people were seeing me volunteer and saying to themselves well that sorry not saying to themselves saying to me oh uh, how do i get started volunteering and i mm. thought uh, there could be something here because when i was volunteering i was typically the youngest person by at least 10 maybe 20 years mm-hmm. okay yeah mm. mainly women because yep. women are just kind of <laughs> compassionate <laughs> wonderful people mm. Uh, and I just thought, we've got to get some like younger people supporting mm. these charities. And that mm. ultimately was what the idea for Volley was. And mm. I, I researched for months and months, sort of mm. in between while working at this gig. And I thought I had enough, like end of 2015, mm. um, quit my job and pursue, you wow. know, this this first business, you know, pretty naively not thinking through a lot of stuff, but I think, you know, that yeah. was ultimately a blessing because if I would have known everything that would have been entailed,
0: then perhaps I wouldn't have done it, but I probably mm. still would have done. That's amazing. But but also, so while you were, I suppose, researching volunteering and what that would be like, did anything surprising come up in that phase?
1: about Lots of stuff like less than one in three Aussies volunteer. Mm. The vast majority of people want to. Um, Gem Y uh gen z was less is mm. sort of in the workplace at the time but gen y particularly are just like really not volunteering mm. um yeah it's just a lot of problems with the space yeah just um the, that i thought this platform could could combat um i just thought it's got to be quicker it's got to be easier because mm. uh and i started going to events like big charity conferences big volunteering national volunteering conferences and they were talking about the biggest problems being um they can't engage the the younger generations um mm. the industry wasn't really embracing technology not very innovative incredibly slow moving and mm-hmm. uh, that just that just made me sad because i thought well if you guys were able to you know solve some of those issues then you'd be able to address and support the causes that you stand up for so much better whether it was you know the lost dog's home or the royal children's hospital Mm -hmm. or greenpeace or whoever so it just made me really sad that the industry was so slow moving and just Mm -hmm. just lacked the the support that it needed so i thought and there's so many donations platforms out there and i thought well rather than throwing money at the problem what if people just through their skills, which mm. ultimately is really valuable. Yep. Um, and, you know, given the generation, which has kind of carried through to today, we, we don't have as much to spend, like, you know, struggling to get into the housing market and so on. Constantly hitting this generation up for more money, more money. Mm. Why not just, you know, share the, the skills that you already have?
0: Yeah. So the other question is, so you, you're working for the advertising company, you're helping... Helping car companies sell more cars, et cetera. And you said that you weren't really, you know, you didn't really care that much no. about, about that aspect. But then you volunteered at the Royals Royal Children's Royals Hospital. Royal Children's Hospital. Yeah. And you felt something there. Mm. Uh, I was only like, while you were working in advertising. Here comes oh, Grace. Hello, Mrs. <laughs> Interloper. Yeah. <laughs> One of the <laughs> Cavitos. <laughs> <laughs> um. While did you realize that you weren't you didn't really care while you were doing the job, or did the experience at the Royal Children's Hospital make that more acute? Uh,
1: good question. Mm. Um, I was waking up every morning with my job mm. and thinking again something was wrong with me because mm. everyone in the company seemed to be happy. It was like you a know, big company. Free coffee and, you know, great cafe on site and lots of perks like that. But I just thought something was wrong with me. Mm. I knew I just couldn't even conjure the energy or enthusiasm to talk to my friends at the weekend about how mm. my week was. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when that question was asked, I was just like, oh, you go. <laughs> you, <Yeah. laughs> you talk about your week. So mm. that increasingly, I think with any job, like starting a new job, even if it's not one you're passionate about, it's still mm. very exciting and, mm. you know, it's mm. a new office environment. And so you can get caught up in those sorts of, you know, sort of, I don't know, whatever you call it, like dopamine hits or whatever. Mm. So it can feel really exciting. But once again, with this job around the six month mark, once I once I become pretty proficient and mm. got a feel for all of it, I was just like, yeah, I'm not enjoying it. Mm. And then when I started to do these vol- this volunteering, I, I realized, okay, well, it's because the, the, the I'm not in the right space in terms of like mm. where my work is going, what it's attributing to. Mm. So, yeah, it was a bit of both. I, I knew I was not happy, but mm. w- that lived experience. And this is why my um, advice to anyone who's been thinking about volunteering for however long, mm. just do it. Mm. And don't think, oh, I've got to get it right first time You because I have many experiences where I'm like... Well, this feels like a bit of a waste of a sunday mm. or a thursday evening mm. or whatever but you just you ju- you just learn yeah. you know
0: and that yeah. lived experience helps you sort of find your way through the dark sometimes mm. uh and then w- when you thought of starting volley uh this was this was your first entrepreneurial venture yep. and yep. it was also a a tech a tech product yeah and it is a tech product yeah um so how did yep. you go about i think firstly Thinking of the idea, then thinking what's needed, and then going about you know building that. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: to this day, and I follow a similar process, but just do it a lot more efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> uh I I started with the problem, mm. uh, and then looked to validate uh, the the problem.
0: Can Can you artic- articulate the problem?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. the The problem is um, mm. that modern day professionals. Mm. Um, care about making the world a better place making a difference Mm. um but aren't doing enough or Mm. feel helpless to actually be able to get involved and Mm. and um ultimately what that means is connecting with Mm. organizations standing up for important causes charities not-for-profits social enterprises so there's this desire to get involved but not enough action Mm. and on the charity side they desperately need these people to, mm-hmm. to progress their organizations forward and, and support their causes more effectively. Mm-hmm. So the solution, as I saw to that, was what if there was a platform where within four clicks you could uh, find an opportunity, uh, a, a vol- skilled volunteering project, which mm-hmm. ultimately we decided to be online mm-hmm. exclusively for mm-hmm. scale and mm-hmm. to fit in with you know the increasingly um, remote way of working. Uh, and uh, you know, you just select what you're good at and what you care about, and opportunities mm. pop up. It doesn't need to be complex, you don't it shouldn't be sent forms and forms to fill out from mm. the charities. Mm. But they have like working with children checks mm. and police checks and mm. so on. So, the platform, because it's all remote and the, the skilled volunteer isn't coming into contact mm. with the um with the charity or non profit, mm. then it just made everything so much easier, mm. yep.
0: So did you have? do you have a? Did you have a background in technology? No, no. Nope, <laughs> <nope. laughs>
1: there was so much I didn't know. Yeah, I'd learned a lot through working in corporates, like mm. you know, just um, working with legal teams and managing budgets, and obviously mm. marketing was pretty well down. Yeah, but there was there was so much to learn. Like you know, I didn't even know what a CEO technically needed to do within mm. an organization when you're a when you're a startup entrepreneur with a team mm. of you know next to none there's just two yeah. of us um you do everything
0: hmm. <laughs> Wh- who's the other person
1: involved? uh tanya hmm. Dontas. so um yeah so we we founded the company together hmm. uh so i had the original idea uh tenure very quickly started adding value to it hmm. and um yeah we just kind of i was gonna drive it uh mainly uh I quit my job just for Christmas two thousand fifteen, and Tanya mm. quit her job uh early two thousand sixteen Well wow, we, we yeah. got to work on it, yep. together
0: um and then talk to me about like the the technology aspect of it, yeah, um, how did you go about building that? yeah, and something that you said previously as well
1: around yeah. like um, I think it was generally just how I went about it, but mm. um, I just had a lot of conversations through like the market validation and I now try to prove businesses wrong and the mm. idea wrong before I proceed. I was I wasn't doing that with volley. Volley was like mm. my little baby and I mm. I was validating the market but I was leaning into, you know, come on, it's gotta work, which is not what I do now. Yeah. Um, but I just had I bought a lot of people coffees and I just caught up and I just picked people's brain. Mm. Um, leaders within the charity space, um, friends who could be the the supposed volunteers tech people because i was so unaware of like you know even to this day i can't write a line of code to save my life but Mm -hmm. i i know the process From mm. start to finish. And uh, and I didn't have any of that at the mm. time. So again, I was just speaking to a lot of tech people. Mm. Um, confused a lot of the time. Slowly figured it out. But through 2016, mm. um, I just started with the essentials. And I got a good lawyer and a good accountant. Got mm-hmm. the business established. That is so important. Those two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah keep you out of trouble yeah yeah uh and then i just got to work and i you know very quickly i mean you got to think about so much you got to think about you know what what's what's the what's the the, how we're gonna make money Mm. forecasting Mm. and Mm. and all that sort of stuff but the tech naturally had to come very quickly yeah so um i met with a bunch of digital agencies Mm. uh and just yeah ultimately landed on the guys um they're called Yump. They're in uh, they're mm. in Melbourne. Um, just loved them. And they offered a discount. They really believed in the fact that we wanted to support the charity sector. Wow. So, again, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot mm. of hours, speaking to a lot of people, and just refining what it was that we were going to build.
0: Mm. Uh, and you you mentioned like you bought a lot of coffees. Yeah. Um, how receptive were people initially? Like, how did you go about, you know, asking asking people out? Really? Yeah, yeah people yeah. were great. From yeah.
1: like, you know just your everyday worker at whatever business to like some pretty high profile people. Mm. Like, you know, some of the the, the, the poster men and women of mm. the social enterprise space and, you know, CEOs of... Uh, You know, investment companies and so on. Yeah, like, and that taught me the you know bit of ego stroking. You know, just like I'm just looking for your feedback because it's it's interesting because it's changed around now. And you know, these days I'm getting more of the the reach outs and you know, could we Mm. could we get your advice on this or that? And I do, Mm. and so it's just sort of like this reciprocal process. But yeah, I was surprised how many people were willing to. You just you know, I was really accommodating, work Mm. around your schedule meet somewhere convenient but yeah and i think there's a lot to be said about melbourne's you know positive influence there for sure because i don't think that would be Mm. anywhere near as possible in london people are too busy uh some would be just Mm. making crazy amounts of money so again that sort of small town Mm. melbourne um vibe (laughs) (laughs) here's the other one here's here's (laughs) (laughs) cavoodle number two charlie (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um yeah i was surprised but mm-hmm. it was really helpful really mm-hmm. helpful to to buy a lot of those coffees and uh yeah just just feel my way through the dark
0: yeah and i think i really resonate with that because also when i started approaching people i could really the first emails i sent out i could feel like the stomach acids churning in me you know because it was so nerve-wracking uh but you're right in in, in that i think with Melbourne i think people can sense your genuineness if you are being genuine and they're usually very very responsive yeah, yeah. oh
1: so much can be said about authenticity yeah. but you also just need to relax into it and there's nothing wrong with with like the following up yeah. you know it yeah. doesn't mean that people hate you if they haven't responded a lot of yep. people are just really busy yes and um yeah just relax into it and that as you say just be genuine i mean mm. god in the early stages i cringe when i think like i was getting everyone to sign ndas because i thought yeah. everyone was going to steal my business <laughs> idea and it's just like nobody cares yeah. <laughs> but i i thought i just had this like you know um holy grail Mm -hmm. of of an idea um and so i was so scared and that i see Mm. you know first-time entrepreneurs like fall for that all the time it's a very normal thing you know you're Mm. just like someone's gonna steal my idea yeah just relax with that stuff
0: i think also one thing that brought me a lot of peace of mind i can't remember who said it but it's uh, you know don't attribute to malice what could be just laziness or busyness yeah someone doesn't respond it doesn't mean that they hate you or nah. it's nah. just you know people
1: are busy yeah, yeah. Oh, I went to my spam or whatever mm. yeah and I'm I'm naturally I'm a very sensitive person like mm. to the point where I sometimes wonder how I can even function yeah. you know just very sensitive and so sales which mm. you just have to live and breathe as an entrepreneur mm. unless you're in a luxurious position where you can hire mm. somebody to run that for you but I've just the hard way become as good as i am right now i think i'm pretty good you know yeah. with like whether it's b2c or enterprise sales like i certainly understood like the tips mm. and also the the perseverance and resilience mm. that's required but yeah, just like it was a roller coaster in the early mm. stages because I'd be riding the high of something going well and then, oh, this person from this big company didn't respond to me and it's been mm. two or three days and <laughs> you just you just learn to develop a thick skin, mm. you know, for yeah. that kind of
0: stuff. Mm. And so while you were working on, on volley and all of this, like why, while you were trying to, you know, find product market fit or whatever that might be, how were you... Supporting yourself? Did you save some money? Or? I did, yeah. uh, but I was
1: working in bars and then clubs okay. yeah. at the weekend. So mm-hmm. it was it was a crazy time yeah. between 2016 and 2019. I think mm. I worked uh, so Monday to Friday on volley, mm-hmm. uh, Friday night and Saturday night in some of Melbourne's busiest bars and clubs. Mm-hmm. So I had the energy for it. Mm. Um, but it felt very strange going from like, you know, um trying to figure out this business solution mm. to then pouring like, you know, shots <laughs> and just people getting absolutely <laughs> shit faced as a result. Yeah. It was it was nice 'cause I I didn't really need to use my brain like yeah, I'd yeah. worked in bars previously. So once I knew where mm. all all the different spirits were um and the general processes of running it was fine but yeah and that was that was just like sort of covering the bills Mm -hmm. um and just keeping keeping my head above water and keeping the business sort of ticking along
0: okay so just with that was there how do i phrase this how did you kind of reconcile your ego in that okay i was here Mm and now I'm back down here yeah it
1: It was humbling because so I quit my job Christmas 2015 and and everyone I think knew that I was starting something Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt's got this big idea like tell me about the idea for your business Mm. I told a few people but not many so everyone's just like what is it what is it And then fast forward three or four months and they see me working in a bar Mm -hmm. and they're like, "Uh, so what went wrong? And I was like, no, no, like I'm working on the business. It's going Mm. live later this year. And then it would go live later that year, like 16th of November, 2016. Mm -hmm. Never forget the date. Uh, But then a year later, I'm still working in the bar Mm. because businesses, startups generally don't make money for a Mm. bloody long time. So it was humbling it was embarrassing f- at times it was yeah it was very tough you know i got a lot of people looking at me like sympathetically and mm-hmm. feeling sorry and oh it'll work out you know mm. and i'm just like yeah I I, I I don't know it will but i feel confident it will but it mm. just takes time but mm. i was fine with it mm. but yeah the, the 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 sort of reactions from people um yeah it, it was tough to mm. take i mean to be honest i just prayed that nobody i knew walked in mm. to the bar or club i was working at but they were two of the busiest in melbourne so yeah. inevitably someone would yeah, yeah most weekends i'd see people so
0: mm. yeah it was tough yeah yeah and what got you through that was it just confidence that this is has to work out or yeah, yeah. it was
1: I, i'm a big believer I'd, I'd i'd i'm happier to live with failure than regret Yep. You know, mm. and I would still knew I was on the right path. It was mm. taking a lot longer than I thought. It did take a lot longer than I thought, mm-hmm. but I just, I just stayed firm to it. I can't sit in a company. I, I do and don't care about the perception of others. Mm. Generally, I don't, and I will not base my actions mm. on the perception of others. But because I'm sensitive, like I will still mm. like yeah. feel it. So yeah. yeah, I just kept working through it yeah and I just i uh, you know it is what it is they'll mm. see one day, mm. you know yeah. <laughs> I'll show them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um and so what what finally cracked with volley like how did you find product market fit, and when did the business start to yeah be sus be sustainable yeah, yeah. it
1: took it took a while mm. um it was scale like we needed a lot of charities, a lot of projects on the platform mm. ultimately it's a it's an interesting business model, mm. not. Advisable, I'd say because you've got your skilled volunteers on one side of the marketplace applying for projects, mm-hmm. charities on the other side. Um, neither of those users pay. Mm. So we were starting to see really good activity through the platform. You know, lots of applications every week, lots of projects posted. The metrics were really good, mm. but we don't make any money there. Mm. We make money through taking the technology in the platform, white labeling it and working with universities and businesses mm-hmm. to then engage their staff or students through the Volley platform, mm-hmm. connect them with our database charities, track their impact and so on. So it was it was a weird one. Like, and we went through these different iterations with charities like we launched with a subscription model. Mm-hmm. There was like the basic package and the advanced package, the basic package. They could post up to five projects a month. The advanced one, they could post up to eight. Pretty cost effective when you thought about the breakdown per project and the skilled people they were getting. Hmm. Died in the arse. Mm-hmm. Did not work. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Then we went to paper projects. like.
0: Um, so do, do you know why that didn't work? Was it just charities didn't have the money?
1: Charities, uh, I think, well, what we're experiencing now, I think through like, you know, just an abundance of streaming services and even what is like, you know, $10 a month or $15 a month or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at your entertainment streaming and you're just like, well, yeah, but I do this across five or six and this is mm-hmm. becoming really expensive. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Back then, charities mm-hmm. were like, they didn't know the platform from a bar of soap. Mm-hmm. And even for the, it was like $79 for the up to five projects or $149 for up to eight, which worked out to like so, so little, mm-hmm. you know, for the project. And we highlighted why we charge and all the benefits they got. But It was just too much of a commitment. Mm -hmm. They weren't willing to do it. So we thought, we'll pivot to paper project. Mm -hmm. You could purchase one, two, three, or a value pack of five projects. Mm -hmm. That started to get some traction and revenue jumped up a bit as Mm -hmm. a result, which was good. But there was still this resistance and there was a lot of work convincing charities. And I spent a lot of times with the sales, Mm -hmm. ultimately convincing a charity to spend $50. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this and you do that again and again and mm. again and you're like this is not a good use of my time yeah so then volunteers it was always free for obviously mm. they're sharing their skills so mm. then with charities i just made a decision against everyone else in the company it was still a very small team at that time mm. but everyone else was saying don't do it but i was just like that nah, it's free for charities mm. Mm. we launched the new technology when we got um some seed investment from Scalata ventures mm. they're a mm. melbourne-based seed investment company yep. really Not cool well. yeah yeah and um and i was just like we're gonna make it free we put in all these new features the team were worried about quality control mm-hmm. and um and charities basically just posting terrible projects there because it's free mm-hmm. when things are free sometimes you don't value exactly yeah, yeah, yeah but i um yeah i thought i thought about as much of what could go wrong as possible so pre-scope projects um you know accountability for the charities and in hindsight it's worked out really well and um, from mm. there we just saw scale with projects all of mm. a sudden our marketplace when you when you run a, an online marketplace and it's got dozens of anything mm. it's not really a marketplace yeah. you yeah. need hundreds yeah. and mm. from that point we started to see hundreds it was well when we ticked over 100 plus amazing Mm. then it's 200 300 it it fluctuates now depending on the supply and demand but we go anywhere from like 150 opportunities on the platform up to 400 plus Mm. so it really felt like it became a marketplace yeah that drew then more skilled volunteers but mm. then also more businesses mm. that wanted mm. to tap into our increasingly growing charity audience mm. which rose and rose is now up to just over 1200 and will continue to grow mm. so that was that was a, a big sort of uh, uh, catalyst that was a bit of a turning point um, mm. when we made that free enterprise sales then spending this time looking to secure you know five figure mm-hmm. deals mm. um, partnerships with corporates and universities that helped the business mm-hmm. go to the next level, and it's all of a sudden we started to make you know pretty decent money. Mm.
0: And how is it today? How's today it yeah. Yeah.
1: it's been interesting. Like mm-hmm. um, with volley, we were going well up until the uh, lockdowns, because mm-hmm. our university partnerships were growing really strongly. Mm-hmm. Because for universities students could work on these projects it was work experience for them which students mm. need as much as they need oxygen mm. um and it was with purpose-driven organizations charities mm. non-profits and social enterprises so that was growing really well covid hit, decimated the university space just because mm. they lose their international students uh, even to this day i was speaking with someone at a university um just this week and i'm like how is it and they're like oh there's still you know redundancies and mm. they're still recovering from it yep which is really, really sad. Mm. So that hurt us mm. big time. We, we got a lot of government support, JobKeeper and grants and that sort of stuff, which kept us afloat. But to be honest, since then, um, both myself and Tanya have embarked on new ventures. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanya's launching uh, a uh, business again, socially driven, called Amazing Change. Mm-hmm. I am now, I've um, been working on Nature Boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working across a... Um, um couple of other projects as well so mm. launching a few other uh ventures so mm. yeah there's there's a wow. few a few happening yeah. volley mm. has um been surviving mm. with limited um attention and i mean mm. really limited attention from us and we've been amazed by that Tanya mm. and i that it's just continued like just checking in with the metrics mm. we haven't i haven't been able to pay as much of attention to to the the enterprise revenue mm. model but the marketplace continues to exist Mm. ticks along really nicely you know lots of applications every week lots of projects posted and we're actually um we're in the process of an exit Mm. now with volley which is something i have never done before and it's like the final challenge yeah you know i've been through like the early stages the trying to ramp it up the growth the maintaining of that and looking to build revenue and yeah we, we've we got some we've got some good early interest we've got a long way to go and lots of information to provide to a few of these interested parties but yeah mm. looking at an exit with volley which would round it off really nicely and um i said to tanya and i was saying to some friends and family the other night This is not something too many entrepreneurs do to Mm. successfully exit from a business. I fully appreciate Mm. how much of an achievement this will be. Arguably like my biggest to date with with my my career and particularly like, you know, Mm. the
0: entrepreneurship side. In in what sense is that a big achievement? Is it more the... More that the personal value that you, you've seen something grow up, like your baby has grown up and now is left leaving the home, or is it something else?
1: It's um, building something from nothing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I mean, a, a big achievement for Volley is building something from nothing and thousands and thousands of people interacting with it. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. But then for that to be seen as valuable enough for another organization, mm-hmm. or um, it'll probably be another business, but... Know, could be, could be mm. something different. To see enough value to uh, to purchase it mm. with what would be, um you know, a reasonably decent amount of money, mm. I think is, I think is pretty huge for me, and not something mm. I ever saw myself doing. I, I never saw myself starting my own business. I was always the follower yeah. with my friends. And I wasn't the leader.
0: Yeah. yeah. So all of this has been pretty surprising yeah. but
1: yeah to be able to do that mm. would I just understand how tough it is yeah. you know it's it's mm. it's it's hard to do uh, and yeah to be able to do it would be a big accomplishment and when i started volley in the early stages mm. um i the people would say to me what's your exit and i just thought it was just the most horrible thing anyone could say cuz i'm like mm. what do you mean I, I i love this business i believe in this business i'll stay with it mm. you know for the, forever mm. but it's not the way it works like yeah. you know like mm. some people stay with them long long term but generally mm. you enter and ultimately at
0: some point mm. you exit yeah and now with nature boss um just quickly like what what's the problem you're trying to solve there the problem there so nature boss again
1: is a marketplace mm-hmm. um so i seem to be doing these as Platic a bit of to those. yeah <laughs> so nature boss is all mm-hmm. about connecting businesses and their staff mm-hmm. with environmental groups that run uh experiences in nature mm-hmm. so the problem we're looking to solve is businesses generally want to stand up more for our environment, our climate, make a positive impact, we're in this, you know, some refer to it as a climate crisis, generally we just need to do more to protect our environment Mm -hmm. so businesses know this Mm. but in terms of the action and in terms of really, you know, supporting and partnering with organisations that do just exist to to support and protect nature and our Mm -hmm. environment and staff the benefits of getting staff out of the big high-rise buildings Mm. or even their home offices. And into nature, there's just incredible health benefits of that. Mm -hmm, Um, For sure. Team building, just general well-being, combating various different mental health issues. Mm. So that's what we offer to businesses. And generally, Mm. there's not a go-to destination. There's a lot Mm. of environmental groups, some list experiences, Mm -hmm. but this is... A go-to platform where businesses can filter the sort of experience they're looking for based on their location, their budget, team size, cause mm. preference, and so on. Mm-hmm. And for environmental groups, it either establishes for them or opens up um, that corporate revenue stream mm. when they facilitate these experiences, which can go a long way to them mm. supporting uh, uh, the causes that they care about, whether it's combating species extinction or protecting land, or you know, um, First Australian um, groups elevating you know indigenous culture as we are increasingly seeing more seeing more and more there's still a long long way to go there but you know just just more and more you know this country and um you know modern day professionals are are understanding just the incredible benefits Mm. of just listening Mm -hmm. to indigenous people Mm -hmm. and just you know just yeah. just we've we've like in so many ways you know gotten it wrong and i just think you know the more i learn about indigenous culture the more i just think you know that that living in harmony with the land in so many different ways is just like we've got mm. got so much to learn there so there's so much education that can come
0: through nature bus that's incredible um so so what's the so this is your you know your second venture mm. what are the lessons from Maybe you know hard or good lessons that you learn yeah. from volley that you're bringing to.
1: Oh, what used to take me a day yeah. on volley now takes me you know thirty to sixty minutes tops with nature, boss. You know, mm-hmm. I've just I've learned um, don't be proud, don't try and do it all yourself. Surround mm-hmm. yourself with good people. Um, I'm I'm acutely aware of what I'm good at and what other people will be good at. Mm-hmm. So bring those people in. Um, just just share the load uh and and you know a lot of things that i've learned like with Mm. volley i just i just do a lot quicker now you know i'm just very efficient across pretty much every area of the business you know Mm. there's obviously some parts i can't do i can't Mm. write the legals but i'm i'm very clear on how to brief this legal team so Mm -hmm. that and the legals are absolutely yeah tight with the platform so Mm. yeah it's just I, through Volley I swore I'd never start another business because it was an absolute trial by fire mm. and it was so hard. Um but if volley was a ten out of ten mm. for just difficulty <laughs> and how much it almost killed me, <laughs> Nature Bus is a four yeah five tops so and it's just been easier and it's it's Mm -hmm. um it's a venture that's being funded by Odinata, they're an Mm -hmm. environmental group and so um they've paid me through the process to Mm -hmm. develop the platform like build the business they've funded the costs yep everything with volley was self funded through my savings and mm. through the the hospitality work. So mm. you know, the strain of that and just like, oh my God, am I gonna end up on the street, you know, yes, just pursuing yeah. this idea of mine and just being easier in that respect. But the knowledge I bring to Nature Boss is just yeah, just Yeah massively sort of evolved from what I knew with Volley.
0: That's that's such an incredible journey, man. Really congratulations. Thanks, Matt. It's I think hugely inspiring. Uh and this is usually the you know the the last question i'd like to finish with um you know thinking of your career and you know what we've talked about um what does the what does the term meaningful work mean to you
1: meaningful work means to me life's too short hmm. and you really should be doing something that you care about like genuinely care about and that that holds a lot of meaning for you. Mm. Um, it is just it's just a no brainer to me. Mm. Based on working for companies and not caring previously, mm. it come it talks to me about health. Mm-hmm. You know, we you've got to be aware of the fact if we're compromising ourselves, whether it's our integrity or our stress levels are higher than they should be. Like you know, all those invisible illnesses potentially even diseases down the long Mm. term from just not diseases might sound extreme, but uh, essentially if you aren't working a job, you really care about, if it's soul destroying to you, if it's Mm. so bad that it just kind of eats away at you, Mm. then it's, it's a really like dangerous place to be in. Mm. Like if you're happy with what you do, great. Uh, Mm. if you're content, that's fine. But the sort of the pinnacle of that is like that meaningful work. Mm. And, and to do something that you really care about the outcome of mm-hmm. i just think is is huge and that's what i've had since 2016 it's mm-hmm. been so hard and so stressful at times mm-hmm. but even when it's been hell my my you know foundations have have loved it and mm-hmm. known that i'm i'm working on something and developing something even mm-hmm. if it fails yeah. you know just you i i often think forward to when i'm you know in retirement whenever that is or just say when i'm in my like 70s or 80s or whatever and looking back looking mm. back now six years i have no regrets mm. like you know i've gotten a lot of things wrong but mm. just you know staying true to to what i want to do something that is really meaningful to me mm. is is so important your professionals the professional side of your life takes up an enormous amount of your time mm. day to day week to week it's well over half you know it's it's massive mm. and so if you're doing something that's really meaningful to you and you're not com- compromising on your values your belief your integrity mm. I, I just think it's it's so so important mm.
0: and i think that ties into another thing that i think keeps me focused is that uh, they, they say that you should work for only two people your eight-year-old self and your eighty-year-old self. Oh, interesting! Haven't heard that before. Yeah, and uh, and and I think for me, like my my. It's it's looking like what did my eight-year-old self dream I would be? Yeah. And then my what would my eighty-year-old self regret not doing? Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I
1: I often reflect on the eighty-year-olds, mm. and as I said earlier, uh, better to live with with failure than regret Mm. so uh, you know using the whole regret thing as a a big driver for me Mm. Um, but the eight-year-old self is interesting as Mm. I was saying earlier I had no idea what I wanted to be through first school middle school high school Mm. Uh, at one point I wanted to be a policeman just because that's what my mum and dad did Mm. Um, but I think it also comes back to what we were talking about at the start around just like you know feeling your way through rather than and, and thinking less because mm. if you just sort of stop and and just sort of feel like where am i, at? Am, I am i happy with what i'm doing like mm. i think it will guide you in the right way more often than not um, yeah a lot of entrepreneurs just create a shell create a persona i'm so guilty of it mm. um with volley you know i created this alter ego the person that was out there on stage mm. running events you know but yeah it wasn't as authentic to the true mm. to my true self. Yeah,
0: it really surprised me to hear you say that you're an introvert because I always saw you as this. Yeah. I know. Guy was out
1: there. I know. It surprises <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. I just yeah. I was exhausted mm. by the end of it. And mm. the big telltale sign for me as well, I might run a really successful event, everything's gone well, we've done a bit of packing up in the evening. I'm driving home and I'm not feeling happy i'm not feeling content i don't feel like i've accomplished which was terrible i'm probably unfair Mm -hmm. on myself but i know the root cause of that was because i wasn't going up on that stage or running the event as my true self i was putting on this like Mm -hmm. you know super gandy captain charisma Mm -hmm. kind of self and so when people would compliment that Mm. Compliment me for running a great evening or whatever, it wasn't the true me. Yeah, so now, as I'll you know sort of do more events in the future and so on, I'm just going to be more me. So, I'm not going to be getting up on stage being Captain Charisma, I'm not hopefully going to bore people, but I'm just going to be more the true me. And you know, even having this conversation with you, um, the way I'm speaking with you today. Versus if we'd done this two years ago, mm. would be very different. Mm. I'd be in my head. I'd be thinking like I've got to hit the sales points to upsell the businesses, and you know, don't say that and don't mm. come across as this because that might not reflect well on the business. Now I'm mm. just like I'm just gonna be me, mm. and it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I will tell you why the reason I really wanted you on the podcast was was when I when you spoke at the social social Melb meetup yeah. a few weeks ago yeah. or social a month Im- ago
1: social impact meetup yeah
0: and I just saw this other side of you were you, were you sitting on a stool there were yeah. no slides no nothing yeah, and you had maybe 15 people around you and you just spoke from the heart and you yeah. spoke of your journey and you spoke yeah. of all the trials you went through um, yeah thank you so much for doing this man really, really really pleasure, appreciate mate. it no my uh, pleasure I know you're super busy and you know all these things coming at you so for you to give up you know like more than an hour of your time really means a lot so. my pleasure mate Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying and are learning from this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. A great zero-cost way to support us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are feeling extra generous, it would be great if you could leave a comment or feedback on our Apple Podcast or YouTube pages. Or you could email your comments and feedback to me directly at Rahul at com, That's R-A-H-U-L at DisruptiveBusinessNetwork, all one word, dot com. Finally, a big shout out to our producer, Dan Scahill, for his work on the keys, and to Vashti Civil for writing the original music for our theme. Until next time, this is your host, Rahul Sones signing off. Bye.